And we're recording. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is Mormon Talk with Dave and Mike. And today's episode is called The Cost. We we referenced this actually in a couple prior episodes, including last episode, of how we really want to focus on this topic. And we'll get more into the topic later. Uh, it's an important thing, and it's probably the main driver, I would say, Dave, behind why we're doing this podcast. Honestly, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a more serious topic. Not that any of these topics aren't serious, uh, but I guess I just mean kind of a uh, a harrowing or a uh, I'm not sure what heart heart yeah, wrenching. I don't topic. know. Just soul. Yep. Gripping. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna do it. And depending on how we go, it's worth conversation it's worth a lot of conversation and who knows maybe we'll do a part two we'll have to see how things turn out in this episode first of all lds news so i ran across something i wanted to share and dave did also so we're going to do a couple little news tidbits here on this episode the one that i just ran across folks is uh so this is april 21st 2019 when we're recording this and uh, <clears throat> apologies for, by the way, for throat clearing and sniffing and so forth. Both of us are having a fight with allergies right now. So it's. Oh, it's uh, allergies. Huh? Okay. That's okay. We oh, can wait. Let that. me wipe this off the bottom of my nose here. It's mucus, honestly. There. Um, okay. You're good, man. <laughs> uh, it's allergy season. Oh, man. Anyway. It's bad. So here's here's the one I wanted to share, folks. Commentary in the Salt Lake Tribune. LDS Church has great power, which it has wielded irresponsibly. This is by Natasha Helfer Parker. She's a mental health practitioner. I'm going to just read this. It's not too long, and I think it's worth reading. Uh, and to Natasha, thank you for, for posting this to the, the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, Pretty profound, pretty pretty powerful here. Here we go. A letter to the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a mental health practitioner, President Russell M. Nelson. I want to address your recent talk to the general membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, stating how not all families will be able to enjoy the afterlife together. Let me remind you of the families I work with on a daily basis as a clinical practitioner. And these are all bullets now after this. Mixed faith families, LGBTQ plus individuals, couples, and their families who were desperate to hear anything healing after the recent policy reversals announcement. Families of people who have struggled with and even died from drug and alcohol dependence. Parentheses, we are currently experiencing an opioid epidemic that knows no religious bound. Single parent families, co-parenting families after divorce and other non-traditional families. Families where there have been complicating factors of abuse or trauma and are trying to make sense of horrific realities while still identifying as a loving entity. Families of sexual assault survivors. Families who are dealing with serious mental health diagnosis that affect behavior, for example, bipolar, impulse control, etc. Families who are survivors of a loved one's death by suicide. 
Any family who has an individual struggling with some behavior they are trying to improve, basically all of us, in parentheses. <laughs> this yeah. list is obviously not comprehensive. Most of these families are loving, dedicated, loyal, and committed to their relationships. Your message will negatively affect them in regards to mental health. Increased symptoms of depression, anxiety, OCD preoccupations, PTSD triggers, and so on. Emotional health, worry, sadness, doubt, confusion, pain, etc. And relational health, young impressionable children, teens worried about being separated from their parents or siblings, mixed faith believing partners who often choose divorce because of these types of narratives, parents rejecting or shaming their adult or teen children, parents feeling responsible that they did not do enough when children use their agency to find other successful ways to live or think or believe, loss of respect and trust among family members, etc. As a prominent leader of a worldwide church, you have an impressionable power which you wielded irresponsibly. There are serious consequences to what you say and how you say it. This week alone, I've had numerous clients painfully present these in our sessions, referencing your talk, teen and adult panic attacks, domestic violence towards a transitioning spouse, several suicide assessments, divorce decisions made final, and resignation from the church. Please stop causing the type of wreckage I and many concerned colleagues have to sew up in the cardiac surgical room of the therapy chair. Hearts are breaking. As a mental health practitioner, I am trained to ask people how they can use their religious values and spiritual tools to help edify their goals toward mental and relational health. As a church member and a therapist, I see vast benefits when the gospel of Jesus Christ is taught and lived from the lens of love, inclusion, personal agency, comfort, and peace. I see great harm in unchristlike behavior when it's taught from a place of division, rigid obedience, exclusion, and hierarchy. The teachings and truths of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints should not be in contradiction with basic concepts of mental and relational health, which have been well studied and become universal standards of best care practice. Please use your vast resources to become better informed in issues of mental health, relational health, and trauma-informed congregations as you serve our membership. Natasha Helfer Parker. Boy, you go, girl. Yes. <clears throat> Natasha, thank you. And um, wow. That's all I can say. Well, that talk was a real piece of shit. I mean, it it was so, so damaging. And Jonathan Streeter went through it. Thinker of thoughts. With Luna. Yeah. And, and took a couple hours on it. Uh yeah, he. I think he did a lot of damage again. Yeah. Uh, speaking of mental health, <laughs> he recently got up and uh, made an announcement, some news conference. I only saw the part where he made the announcement that in the year uh, 2029, December of 2029, the Salt Lake Temple would be closing for four years for renovations. Before he could sit down, someone quickly corrected him and said, uh, no, no. So he got back up to the microphone and said, oh, that'd be December of 2019, not next year. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you know, so, and, and I understand. He didn't say it was next year. He said 2029. No, he never did. Yeah. So I get, I understand the cerebral slippage because I experienced some last week when I introduced the chocolate laying yes. bunny rabbit and I thought it was Easter. <laughs> Now, I'm going to make excuses just like he does. I've got so many pagan holidays I'm trying to keep up with <laughs> that I I got confused. Oh. And my, my worship of Ishtar is not going to interfere with my chocolate egg eating. The hell with oh, it. So, oh, bro. Yes. Uh, sorry, classic. Man. I love it. Uh, yes. Last week was an Easter. This is Easter. April 21st, 2019. Uh, thanks, bro, for admitting that and, uh, you know, admitting that you got Christmas wrong. Well, see, aren't we all just feeble? <laughs> Don't we all just make mistakes? Oh, yes. Even though we, even though I speak for God, I'm just a man or am I? <laughs> <laughs> am I? I don't know where to go with that. Let's uh, just go. Let's move oh, on. Yeah. Um, Wow. So <laughs> the cost, the cost. Um, I don't think we could have started the episode off any better than Natasha's remarks in the Salt Lake Tribune comment, uh, the letter um, about cost. And, you know, there's many ways to talk about that topic. There's many costs, I guess you could say, when you talk about the church. And the topic, or I guess the definition of cost that we're talking about, the environment of cost that, that we're talking about in this particular episode, is the cost or costs associated with the church from a membership point of view at the individual level, at the group level, family level, loved ones, friends, etc. And there's different paradigms that people find themselves falling into. There's the cost when you start, let me backtrack because it's, it's hard to kind of put this into words. Um, when you start to find out there are issues with the truth claims of the church, that's when the costs begin. And so there's a cost of staying in the church and there's things that you can do to make that cost, to lessen that cost, such as ceasing your research into the uh, truth claims, right? Running everything through your Mormon thought yeah, filter. Sure. Yep. Which is the same thing, essentially. Yeah, essentially. Yep. <laughs> um, there's also cost then all the way down, if you look at this as kind of a sliding scale, so I'm a person who's a, a TBM, a true, true believing Mormon. I don't have any questions at all at the top of the scale. And then you move your way down. Hey, I found out some things. I just put those under the carpet. Lots of people do that. I did that for years. I just brush them under the rug. You find out more things that are a little more concerning or have a little more gravity now you maybe have you're in a situation mentally where you kind of have to deal with those. They they won't just go under the rug as easily. Maybe they're a little bigger. They they won't sweep. Uh, so do you pick them up and put them on a shelf? As the analogy is often used, how much can that shelf hold? 
There's a cost associated with that mentally to keep that shelf up. It's um, mental health issues uh, with the cognitive dissonance that begins to surface. And uh, you know what we're measuring here, and I realize this, it's going to differ from one individual to another. And one of the things, ways in which it does differ is that person's not only ability, uh, but desire to think critically. Mm -hmm. And that's two different things. Um, You can have the ability to think critically and shut it down. Sure. Or you might want to have the desire to and not have the, uh, the skills basically, because it's, it's not, uh, encouraged in the church. In fact, it's outright discouraged to think critically about church and doctrinal issues. So there's no skill development there. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) At least as long as you're a TBM, right. You, and you're following what you're told to follow. You're right. You don't have that practice of using critical thinking, at least with regard to your belief system. Uh, and then, you know, you have, because this is a human issue, it automatically means that this is very complex. We are complex. And I don't think anybody who studied psychology or human psyche or the id or ego or any of those related concepts to any level at all would disagree with the fact that there is huge, vast complexity with how we how we deal with our lives and how we deal with information. And like you said, Dave, when, you know, I might have the ability to critically think I might choose not to use that. And the reasons that I choose not to use that could be things that are conscious, could be things that are subconscious uh, and both both, often both, right? Fear is a, is a, a very real driving factor in this situation in this this kind of thing we're talking about here i may be uh, a very capable of committing critical thinking skills to my belief system and yet the fear or multiple fears of certain things could basically cause me to to make a decision of no i'm not going to go there and that goes to, again, the topic of cost. What are you afraid of? Well, usually you're afraid of a cost that you would... A consequence. A consequence. That's right. That you'd have yeah. to pay to uh, to follow that path. So yeah. what what I'm seeing, and, and you're, you're talking about this scale, and again, it's different for everyone. In a general way, uh, and again, I'm being very general, I, I see a pattern like this where uh, I, I'm like sitting in a meeting, I just hear something random. I'm like, well, hell, that doesn't really make that much sense, but yeah, let's just go home and have lunch. Forget about it. Go to church another, a month later. Well, this, what, why did they change this? Or what? Okay. Well, it's God's true church. And, and these just increase and increase and it gets to the point where something happens. And, and what I think this is, is the person begins to visualize a course of action in their life mm. and what that would look mm-hmm. like. In other words, 
now I've got a litany of issues and I am having a real hard time believing this church came from a heavenly source, a God or anything other than man-made. And let me project into the future what it would look like if I were to leave. Mm -hmm. There's the beginning of the list. Well, of your cost. Uh, yeah. And and so depending on, for instance, and this is something I hadn't thought about that much, my marriage at the time I left the church was already not doing that good. So for a person who's got a very strong marriage with a TBM spouse and they're having all these issues, that was, that's going to be more difficult than what I went through. Sure. That's because, right. Because again, my marriage was already on the rocks. And this was like, you know, the fatal blow, the straw, the, you know, the whole. Mm. Okay. And the the other thing w was my relationship with family members, including, of course, parents, mm -hmm. yeah. which was not very strong. And that's a huge factor for most people. They know or have an idea of what the reaction of spouses, parents, extended family, siblings, what that's going to yeah. look like. And they, they might entertain that picture for a minute and say, oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. And then, and then uh, six months later, this doesn't happen overnight. Usually. No, they're, they're like, I, you know what? God damn, you know, wh whatever's going on. I cannot pretend anymore. That's right. So, uh, something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't is, put I'm square pegs. Sick. Yeah, I can't right. put square pegs into round holes anymore. I, right, because I you're forced when to I go to church because I'm having a psychosomatic, mm. physiological reaction to bullshit. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have an allergy to this stuff, and and I'm getting sick every time I hear it. And so, I. You know, and then that's when it, it varies vastly again. It does. Uh, and for most people, what it looks like is they just kind of quit attending. The spouse notices a change in behavior and or parents. They're questioned. And if they begin to voice their concerns, oh, man, shit is going to hit the fan. Right. Because <laughs> you mentioned this kind of already. The the church not only doesn't teach critical thinking skills with regard to the belief system because that would kind right. to that would kind of threaten it uh, they they also actively teach and you mentioned this too they 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 not only don't teach you skills to to question it they actively teach you not to question it and they and they actively mm. teach others and this gets to the point that you were just kind of you know talking about there they actively teach all the members to uh, how to deal with people who they view as coming up with inappropriate questions or doubts or criticisms. You know, you're supposed to not support those people at all in their questions or their doubts because they're wrong. After all, they're questioning the truth. You're supposed to, in many cases, distance yourself from these people because you don't want them to influence you. Well, in the right? distancing, in this case, these people are now considered worse than non-members. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Because, because they had apostasy, the truth. 
Right. Apostasy is the worst. And this this has, has been, yeah, uh, what's the word for it? It's not as severe as it was in the early days. Hell, they killed people in the early days of the church for apostasy. Sure they and did. And I'm not just I'm not just saying that it's documented. It is. Well, uh, especially in the Brigham days, the Brigham Young right, days. Right. The, the uh, man was a bloodthirsty. He was a tyrant. Yeah, he was. And so he, uh yeah, now this person who is coming to you and yeah, they're still attending church, but they grabbed you and brought you, you know, over to a corner and, and said, Look, man, have you ever thought about this? Man, this shit here doesn't make any sense or I I enjoy your friendship and you're, you seem like a good guy. And what do you think? And we're told to, Ooh, big red flag. And not only are we to ignore them out of love for their salvation, we should try to convince them that they're pursuing the wrong path, that they're reading the wrong stuff. You know, this gets into our episode last week a little bit. Yeah. Are you asking me or telling me? Kind of that thing. happens. That's right. That happens. And then a lot of what you're told. So let's say you've got a good friend or sibling or whoever this person is that let's say you're lucky enough to have somebody like that in your life where you could kind of bring this concern to, because look, lots of people don't have that person. This is a reality. Lots That's of people, true. their family, friends, siblings, whatever, they are TBM. And so you can't, you feel like, well, I can't go to any one of them. To, to, but let's say you can go to someone. What they're told is not only to tell you what, you know, they already know in their mind because they've been told why you're questioning, right? And they're thinking to themselves, well, maybe Dave just isn't reading his scriptures enough or ah, poor guy, he's not praying every day, you know, or whatever they're thinking. The other thing they're told, oh, talk to, you need to talk to the bishop, man talk to the bishop. And hey, a good close friend who's maybe a very heartfelt person will actually say, they'll believe that it's a good thing, right? Hey, uh, they'll they'll like, what's the word? They will sensitively and honestly say to somebody, hey, man, I love you. Let me, you know, let's work through this. Have you talked to the bishop? And they'll mean it, right? In good faith, you know, oh, they'll, yeah. and, and so you talk to the bishop, and we already know from vast experience, vast numbers of people who've shared their stories, which are all over the internet now and social media, etc. There are no good answers anywhere to these so questions. And so get, the bishop doesn't have them. He no, kicks he, he may kick free. you up the chain, right? Well, he may but he and, may and or may not. Deflection, you know, your your yeah. your friend may really love you and think he's helping you, but it is a, a type of deflection, you know, it like is. I I yeah. can't I can't deal with it, whatever you just brought up. I I'd never even thought of that. Now you've now you're kind of making my head spin. I'm going to send you to the bishop, he's going to send you to the sake president, and every one of them's going to tell you to pray fast pay more tithing, go to the mm -hmm. temple more. Number one, read scriptures. Now, if you're so, and this is a, obviously a big aspect of Mormonism and, and a cult, it's cult activity. When your life is so filled with activity, and this is purposeful, that you don't have time to really think about anything. Mm -hmm. You're so busy doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to think about whether this is real or not, or a bunch of nonsense made up from some fortune teller lying 
anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, presumably, yeah. right? Not that you're right. using an, an example of something that really did happen. Uh, but look, <laughs> you know, think about the advice of reading the scriptures, okay? So let's just take this out of the religious subtext for just a second. Uh, let's say that you are reading a book. I don't know. I hadn't, I hadn't prepared this ahead of time. So let me give me a break and let me shoot from the hip here. Um, let's say you're studying geology. Okay. You got a geology course at college and, and there's this kind of heretical, uh, geologist out there who, who has these crazy ideas. He's not supported by the rest of the, of science. You know, they're man, that guy's kind of a kook. He's, he's just Belikovsky. Yeah. I don't know for you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a bunch of them that, okay. And then they've been proved to be right later. (laughs) Well, well, let's say the guys, let's say the guy's wrong. Okay. Okay. And he's He's just off his rocker and all the rest of science. Yeah. This guy's an idiot, right? Whatever. But you're reading his book and you're kind of convinced, you're, man, this guy's very convincing, right? Yeah. And sure. so what would a, a scientist, and you could go to five really well-known, proven true, groundbreaking theories, you know, proven true type people in the science world, and they, and, and they all tell you, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I can understand why you have questions. I can understand why this guy's... Uh, you know, teachings about geology are, uh, are, um, you know, compelling for you because he's a, he's a great orator. He's a great author. Here's what I would recommend doing. Read his book more. <laughs> Think about the, the absurdity, That's right? Circuitous it's thinking and uh, yeah. why would I do that? It's just going to convince me more potentially that this bullshit is, is really real. And, and, no, what you want to do is the opposite. Get outside that book for a moment. Stop filling your brain constantly with that message and look at what else is out there. I'm not saying go to the, you know, freakazoid, whimsical, you know, bullshit, but, you know, look at actual history, look at actual evidences, look at actual people's theories that that talk about this topic that aren't in that book, you know, and and Give your mind an opportunity, back to your point, to consider other things, you know. And your your example is one of geology. It could be in, any any science, topic, any, any subject, yeah. okay? Any subject. But the point here is we're talking about something that according to the religion itself is a matter of life or death. That's it's right. not, oh, I, I've got a, a broader understanding of how shit works in the universe now. And that's, that's, that's kind of helpful. That's cool. And yeah. it might, it could help me in my everyday life even, mm-hmm. but no, we're talking about the subject of life, life or death, spiritual life mm-hmm. or death. And so, you know, where a lot of the fear comes in and the cost it, yeah. is, is projected. And then as you move, take steps and there's, there's, like you said, tons of stories on the internet. Uh, you know, I have my my own story. You have yours, and the reaction uh, of people around you is is somewhat pr- predictable. Mm-hmm. And and then there's always a, a few surprises. Um, I didn't see a lot of the problems with the church, its its historicity and its doctrine. I saw some, but not the majority until after I'd left. And after I was, I, 
had already made the decision mm-hmm. completely 100% willing to pay the price which was a divorce and exclusion you know of the interaction of family members which wasn't that great to begin with but also possible ostracism mm-hmm. you know even employment issues mm-hmm. could have showed up mm-hmm because of the uh you know the number of lds people in a certain community yes anyway and so again what we're looking at we're weighing the the now we're talking about two costs the cost to me spiritually mentally physically emotionally to stay in Mm -hmm. when i know it's not my truth Mm -hmm. and then the what it's going to look like what it's going to cost when I finally make that decision to be out, and I am here to tell you that nothing ever could ever have more value than being true to yourself. Because in the in the long term, that's the only way to have true inner peace. And it and it it might be very difficult along the way. Ultimately, you will find a place where you know you've made the right decision. And and I, I think the chief way you'll know is is deep inner peace. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm speaking for myself, but that's no, I, I it, agree. It's worth it. Yeah, I concur with everything you said. I think you said this earlier too. Everybody kind of goes without saying, has their own unique experience. Your experience in leaving the church was unique compared to a lot of people, especially today, these days, because a lot of what drives people to really, uh, you know, just to to reuse that analogy uh, to the point where the shelf breaks, uh, I think it's a good analogy, is the kind of thing that you found kind of after the fact, right? Which, which the historical issues, the issues with the actual truth claims of the church. That's what drove me out. Yeah. And it drives a lot of people out today. And, and thankfully, initially, thankfully, initially, yeah. thankfully the, yeah. the information's out there. I don't think the reason per se of why you leave necessarily drives as much of the cost as the actual act itself. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about. I mean, there may be cases where that's not true and, and there's a relationship there. But I, I think the point here is the actual cost. Now, you mentioned some costs personally. You mentioned you know, divorce, uh, a further hemorrhaging, if you will, of relationship health between family members who were predominantly TBM, uh, potential employment issues. Um, and it, these are very common costs. So in my situation, I left first, uh, and you usually there's usually a process with that, right? You usually leave kind of mentally, you're out of it. You're like, you may still attend, but you're like, I'm not really here, right? And then physically, eventually, you're not going to church anymore. Usually the, the mental leaves first, <laughs> followed by the physical. Mm-hmm. And I left first. Uh, I was married at the time, still am, and my wife uh, did was not there. She was not questioning like I was. She didn't have the issues. 
This is very often the case. Very seldom do spouses, if they both end up having issues with the church, very seldom do they both have it at the same time. And because we're individual, right? Again, we have we think of things differently, different timing, etc. That's the way it was with me. So I had to go through a period of cost in a marriage relationship that was very strained. Uh, mm-hmm. Where you name it, right? This is all out there in people's stories, you know, on the internet. You can read about these situations. The one spouse is out, the other is in, and that's not easy at all. And it's not easy, particularly in this church, because there's so much tied around your relationship with your spouse. There's so much of that tied to the religious belief. What about our celestial marriage? What about a celestial family? You know, it gets into Nelson's great talk recently that the the health practitioner bashed him about, right? Like, am I going to be able to live with my family for eternity? All these kinds of things. That scares the shit out of people. If they're a TBM and you're looking like you're not going to be anymore, well, what does that mean? I'm not going to be with you forever, right? I'm not going to, holy shit, you know? Now, thanks to my wife, she stuck by me and she eventually changed mentally to a state of instead of attacking and and making this an issue uh she stepped back and said i don't have to make this personal i don't have to make this my problem and that was the first good step i think to make to maintain healthiness in the relationship um and then from there she eventually entertained the my narrative enough that she was willing to take a peek at a couple things. That willingness was the second big step, right? And then f- for her, and this is different with everybody I've talked to about this, for her, the linchpin, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, whatever analogy you want to use, was the book of Abraham. Interestingly, and it's that it's that's been a big one for a lot of people. Uh, for a lot of people, they don't care about that as much as another thing, right? But for her, it was the book of Abraham. You know, how could Joseph claim to have translated this language, Egyptian, thinking it was a dead language, not knowing, of course, that it would be <laughs> uh, able to be translated in the future? And it's bullshit. It has nothing to do with Abraham, right? And so that entire narrative was a lie. And now the church is backpedaled, and we don't need to get into that, right? They've changed what the word translation means and what the word revelation means and all that kind of stuff. But that was a big deal for her, right? And then it just kind of tumbled from there. And thankfully, she went through a similar process to me, and we ended up out together. That's not always how it ends up, folks. Right. I've talked let to a lot of people. Some, yeah. Let me share something from our buddy Arza. And and he's one of the guys when we say our friend, he he is a a, a close friend of mine. He Arza Evans his book uh, The Keystone of Mormonism. He says the LDS Church claims to be a kind, loving and family-oriented organization. In spite of that, it hurts many people and tears many families apart in order to maintain its power. 
But those who have been deeply hurt are not supposed to become angry, upset, or bitter. If they do, loyal church members think that there is something wrong with them, but not with the heartless church policies. So with Nelson's talk in conference, as I as I went over that and, and this thing about it, there was an arrogance there that I found almost unbelievable. And if I were an investigator to the church and the missionaries had talked me into listening to conference and I heard that talk, I don't think I'd be interested in Mormonism at all. Yeah. 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 You know, I, 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 they need to get him out of there. He's damaging the organization <laughs> itself. Wait as a minute. If it doesn't do enough of its own damage. Keep him in there then. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Please I, keep him in. You know, my heart, and I know Michael's heart, is reaching out to those that we've become aware of who have voiced their difficulty, the position that they're in. They're somewhere, again, in this somewhere between I, I'm just starting to doubt to I'm almost ready to to leave for good, and I need I need some help. I need some direction. I am not going to tell anybody what to do. Then yeah. I've become Russell M. Nelson or whatever the hell. Okay. I I would say, follow your heart. Yeah. It yeah. may sound cheesy. I don't know. And so if you're not in touch with your heart, that's the first thing to do is to go get the hell out of a meeting, go sit in a park or a stream or somewhere where you can think clearly about what's important to you in your life and who is running your life. It It is your life. It is. It is. And that's not, it's not selfish to say, this is my life. And we're not saying it in the typical, you know, colloquial term of this is my life. I'm going to do what I want and screw people over and, you know, hell with you man you know no it's 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 the meaning of it's your life so you get to own it and you get to enjoy it and you get to be you you get to live authentically and get to know your authentic self and that as we've discovered is the true source of happiness you know not and and look for some people for some people, as incredulous as I am about this fact, they really have felt that their authentic self is being a part of this church. And, and it works for them, and it makes them happy, despite what's been discovered about the truth claims. And that's something that I don't think I'll ever understand, just because I, you know, I'm not a psychology expert. I'm not an expert on people's id and ego and how you could justify knowing something isn't true, at least factually, right? And and make that square peg fit into the round hole of happiness in your life. But I'm not going to tell them, you know, hey, you're an idiot for, you know, this isn't you. Hey, if it is, it is. For most people, it's too hard to maintain that. It's too hard to keep the square pegs in the round holes they want round pegs. They want to find out their authentic self and live that true self. It is so hard, guys. You know, I mean, you know this. Most most of you listening are at some point in this scale. And I just read a post 
in RX Mormon on Reddit, for example, of a younger guy who is just begging for advice from the community. He's like, look, I can't hold the shelf up any longer, but it's so hard because everybody he loves and is close to is a true believing Mormon. He knows it's going to impact their relationship. He knows this is going to lead to a lot of turmoil and heartache and what the hell do I do? You know, and what do you tell someone? You know, I mean, on in the one hand, it's easy to say, man, be your authentic self. It's worth it. It is worth it, by the way. I, I will always believe that. But that doesn't get rid of the cost to say, oh, it's worth it, man. You know, uh, the cost is real. Yeah. You know. Well, and that that's why we're on the air right now and and why post-Mormon meetings and ex-Mormon meetings draw so many uh, uh there's a big void uh for people when they leave the church and uh they're going to fill that void and it, some of them they're just going to go to another religion mm-hmm. and a lot of them are are going to leave any kind of of man-made organized religion at all it's still going to leave a void and uh, th- those those places, I attended almost all of them, mm-hmm. and they ceased to be of any value to me at 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 some point. But initially, they yes, yes, they had value. I needed to know I wasn't losing my fucking mind, yeah. or that I wasn't all alone. And you're not, you're not. There's a big community of support out here. And I would add that same point. As we draw this episode to a close and reiterate what Dave just said, you're not alone. As trite as that sounds, it is totally true. Uh, I think last time I looked, how many people are in, on RX Mormon? Um, over 117,000 people <laughs> are in that you? community. Guys, you are not alone. There's people who have great advice, who've been through what you're going through or something very similar, who are willing to listen and and give advice. And what we can't do, and sometimes I wish we could, is to take that cost for you, um, to absorb that cost. And, uh, you know, I'm going to use a terrible analogy, you know, to, to be your Jesus, okay, you know, to hang on that cross for you. Um, Hmm. we can't do that. I, I sometimes wish I could. I, I have cried reading some of these stories because I feel it so personally, having been through a lot of it. Uh, I don't have a great relationship with my parents, with some friends that were dear friends to me my whole life and are now kind of gone out of the picture because I'm not a believing Mormon anymore. There's a serious cost. There could have been the cost of divorce in my case. I was lucky that there wasn't. There could have been other costs as well. Uh, the costs that came were, were deep enough in my mind. Um, it is a long, hard tunnel to walk through. And it seems so dark. And it seems like what the church says about it is, oh, you can't be happy, you know, leaving the church. And you start thinking, well, maybe that's true. And I'm here to tell you, and Dave's, you know, beside me in this, it is true, guys. There is happiness on the other end of that tunnel. There is a light that is so bright, uh, even if it's just this general concept or perception of, holy shit, I'm seeing the world for the first time. Absolutely. I'm seeing people for the first time. I'm seeing 
you know, I've lived in this box and um, I've been told the box is all there is. And there is so much more out there. And number and, one, yeah. I'm seeing myself. For the first time. For the first time, a limitless, powerful being of individuality, not some cookie cutter, goddamn automaton thing yeah. that's being told what, I mean, it makes no sense. It The, <laughs> the further it, removed I get from it, I I become upset, you know, I'm kind of over it, but I, I really wonder what the hell was I thinking? Well, I wasn't. I was letting right. everyone think for me and, yeah. until that yeah. stopped. And now I'm here and I love my life. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I love your life and I love my life. And um, I love the lives of people who get to be the, the their authentic selves. There's a whole another topic or series of topics around this one uh, because I've also seen people once they leave the church kind of force themselves in the opposite direction almost like meaning they, they force themselves. They're like, I'm free now for the first time. And they force themselves into a life or a, a lifestyle or a belief system that actually isn't their authentic self just because they think that, they have to, or so, and that's a whole nother side to this psychological issue, right? That we're talking about, um, which we don't, you know, have time to address in this episode. But it's it's worthwhile to talk about that, what it means to be an authentic self, um, because it doesn't mean not being you, <laughs> just because you're not in a religion anymore. Uh, I, I'm not that much of a different guy. I'm really not. I'm me, just like I was before. But now I kind of get to think on my own instead of being told what to think. And that's a huge paradigm shift. And, um, you know, again, uh, these costs are not arbitrary in most cases. They're not insignificant. They can be pretty heavy. We can tell you it's worth it all day long, and it is. But that doesn't take you magically from today to five years from now when you the waters have settled, so to speak, right? And you've moved beyond all those costs in, in great measure. You're going to have to move through them. And, and Dave mentioned community. I'll mention it. Uh, we're here. Dozens of people are here in podcast form, YouTube channels that you can associating with like-minded people who've gone through your similar costs, if you will, or are going through them right now, or contemplating going through them. Should I do it? Is it worth it? Um, that's part of the, the healthy psychology of getting through it yourself, honestly, is associating with people who are doing what you're doing, right? So, yeah, that's it. Kind of a longer episode. It actually deserves to be double length, I think. But uh, yeah, uh, we may come back to it. Uh, this is this is why we're here. Honestly, this is what drove us to the podcast. Um, Damn it, Fifi, so may... get down! Sorry, I got I bought an egg laying rabbit, and it just it just <laughs> it just son of a bitch laid some eggs on the carpet. I don't think they're chocolate. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Oh, sorry for that. Fee-fee. I got to fee-fee. This, this Ishtar shit's got to stop. 
<laughs> By the way, look up the source of Easter. Pretty entertaining. Ishtar. Way it is back. entertaining. Babylonian, yeah. another pagan holiday adopted by the church. And uh, uh, I found out something interesting. It's it's uh, grosses, well, some say higher or next to Christmas dollars wise now. Oh, wow. Spent on Easter and church attendance at Christian churches is the highest of the year at Easter. At Easter. Not, not Christmas. Not Christmas. So, old Ishtar, man, go for it, baby. Keep, you do it. Keep that fertility goddess thing going. Yeah, you could relate it to American Gods, uh, the book and now TV series, right? Where the power the God has comes from their worshipers. So Ishtar's uh, Ishtar's one powerful song, bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty hot, too. I don't know if you're better, but... Oh, hang on. All right. What's (laughs) happening? I thought you said hang on. Shh. What? I'll let you interpret that anyway. <laughs> hey, you're a happily married man. You gotta watch those fertility goddesses. Oh uh, dear lord. Okay. Seriously, uh, take a minute to look up Christmas, Easter, Halloween, on and on and on. You know, yes. what, what you really want to do is do whatever it takes to find out what the hell is really going on in this world, because it is a world of exploration and experience. And Mm -hmm. you don't want your paradigm to be constructed for you by someone else. It just doesn't make any sense for that to happen. It, It doesn't. It doesn't. I second that. And as we always say, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And thanks for uh, giving us an opportunity to, to chat with you. And um, yeah, I'm on RX Mormon now. I probably should have joined that long time ago. So uh, I think my, te- my username on RX Mormon is Mike Mormon Talk. Um, so look for me, you know, message me, whatever. And, um, yeah, we'll start getting into some of the other social media areas if it helps people, you know, get the word out that that we're around and we want to talk about topics that are meaningful. And, um, yeah, so there's my two cents. Have a Reese's Reese's peanut butter bunny, bunny egg. You'll feel better. Oh man, peanut butter and chocolate has uh, got it. So, that guy was a true prophet. Whoever that guy or girl, whoever created I, that, it's I, probably pagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ikna, when I when I crush these peanuts and pour cocoa <laughs> on uh, very yummy for tummy. <laughs> yes, oh holy one. <laughs> Love you guys. Catch you on the flip side. Out. All right. (laughs) 